Welcome to the HCI Family of Podcasts, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We share our own original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with the HCI family of podcasts. Donna Malakovich, it is a pleasure to be with you. Uh, Angela Schill and I will be chatting with Donna today. She's joining us from, uh, did you say the Houston area? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. A recent move to the Houston area. Wonderful. And we are here in uh, beautiful Orem, Utah. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about leaning into strengths-based leadership. Uh, I think this is a topic that comes up fairly often, you know, do we take a a deficit approach or do we take an asset-based approach? And the strengths-based model uh, really leans into the asset-based, you know, building upon what you have. So we're going to unpack that and what that really means uh, for anyone really, but particularly for women in leadership roles. And we're going to tap into Donna's experience and and, uh, uh, her, her insights from her work and her life. As we get started, I wanted to share Donna's bio with everybody. Donna Malakovich is an executive education instructor and certified Gallup Strengths coach. She has spent her career in nonprofit management, including serving as vice president of the Utah Valley Chamber of Commerce, working with cutting edge technology companies as a grant manager for USTAR, and most recently as senior director of community outreach at UVU. She has a master's in business administration and a bachelor's in English. She spent her career connecting people and building communities. Uh, I think that's wonderful. Donna, anything else you would like to highlight by way of your background before we dive on in? Um, no, I think that's great. It's um, one of the things I like to add. I grew up next to Disney. I believe all things are possible because I grew up next <laughs> to the world. So <laughs> I tend to approach all career options with um, a lot of possibilities and positivity. I, I just have to say, since you've mentioned Disney, my wife grew up right next to Disney too, and they had an annual pass. So it was like, just like after high, after school, they would just like go over to Disneyland, <laughs> which is a different world. I've never once been to Disneyland. So I, I know that's heretical, but uh, I've never been. <laughs> that is that is a little crazy to me because it is the, the land of my childhood. <laughs> that will need to be fixed, John. <laughs> Donna, I, I like John, I love this idea that you talk about spending your career connecting people and building communities. And as part of that, one of the things we want to talk to you about is your work as a certified strengths coach. And wondering if you can share with us a little bit more about your work in, in that arena, and maybe, maybe how you got started doing that, as well as anything you want to share about what that looks like for you today. Yeah, thanks. With a lot of things I was introduced to strengths, um, actually early on when I was working at the chamber and stuff, we did a lot of leadership trainings and other things. And so I knew about the philosophy of strengths and kind of the background of the book. Um, the original book that Don Clifton wrote about leaning into your strengths, but you'll go farther 
if you pay attention to things that um, you do well, rather than trying to fixate on the things that you don't. And that philosophy, I think, really resonated with me. And like I said, I approach things with a lot of positivity. I love to double down on things that I do well. And as I approached kind of reorganize, reorganizing different organ, um, different companies and organizations and helping people, um, it was all about looking at what you do well. And that was kind of what I understood. And then um, was part of a startup board for a startup company. Uh, we were kind of launching this idea and we all took Clifton Strengths and um, Strength Finders and and come to find out I was number one. My number one top theme was woo, which doesn't surprise me. It stands for winning others over. And it just has to do with that networking and kind of having, you know, in high school, I was a social butterfly. As I went to college, I became the social person and then the glue and just kind of the person that connects everyone. And it turns out that that has been a career superpower for me to be somebody who connects other people. Um, I've gravitated to a lot of things like that. And then when I got to UVU, they were offering an opportunity to be a strengths coach, to take the training. And actually it's, it's like a 40 hour training. So you're there full days for a whole week um, and really dive in. And that is where the power of strength-based leadership really opened up for me is really digging into um, understanding. Cause I knew what my top five are, were my top five strengths were, and I knew the philosophy, but really digging in and seeing how the things that were making me strong were actually the same things that I was tripping over sometimes, the same things that were holding me back. And so um, it was a great experience. I did that at UVU. And then I coached, um, I finished the certification and coached my team and we implemented strengths on my team. And um, then I was working with executive leadership and we just decided to implement it uh, in part of our training with leadership too. And it's been great. I've now coached hundreds of executives and a lot, a lot of them have been women in our women's leadership program. And it's so rewarding and fulfilling to have people have those same aha moments as we talk about their strengths that, um, that I have. When you do this teaching, I mean, obviously I imagine it cements things for you in terms of what the principles of these strengths, strength-based leadership, what that, that whole, I'm lost for words here, but the whole the, the principles surrounding it what absolutely yeah absolutely and you know they say and anytime you teach you learn as much as anyone you're teaching right and that's I find that as we you know as I prepared um communication and strengths-based leadership and integrity and strengths-based leadership and different topics on team leadership and individual leadership and introduction to your strengths it does solidify um, for me, but then on the one-on-ones, I've really enjoyed getting to know how everyone's strengths uniquely show up for them. And a hundred percent of the time, when I tell people I'm a strengths coach, they look at me and they go, what are my strengths? And I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea. Like I, I am not a fortune teller and I don't have a crystal ball. And even if I did know your strengths, it's the beginning of a conversation because right. one of the principles is that, you know, our top five, we are, um, the likelihood that somebody else will have the same top five in the same order that I have, or you have, or you have John is one in 33 million. Mm. Yeah. So even if we all had woo somewhere in our top five, it would still show up for each of us a little differently. And that's been the joy and the fun of getting to know people and talking about their strengths, because I learn more about mine, how they show up. And 
how they're classified. So things like positivity seem like they would influence other people. There's a strength called positivity mm-hmm. and it's categorized as a relationship building theme. And when I really looked at that, I realized that positivity has to do with how I interact with people less than how I influence people. Um, and it's not about happiness. It's about being hopeful and giving people second chances and just believing that there's a silver lining at the end of the day. Um, but it's not always about being happy. So people see positivity and they think, oh, you must be happy all the time. And it's really about how I interact with people in a positive way and not about influencing people or walking around as a ray of sunshine. I am not a ray of sunshine all the time, but I do have an optimism that carries into my relationships with people um, that I think has also helped me be a connector. I mean, you've talked about this positivity piece, which I think is fascinating to look at as how you interact with others and and not necessarily walking around as a ray of sunshine, but that that's it's a long-term in the vision. What are some of the other principles? You've talked about woo as well. Yeah, so there are 34 different themes. They call them themes. So the vocabulary goes around Um, we all have talents and they're innate and then a collection of like language-based talents and the ability to share a message and those kinds of things would be put under the umbrella of the communication theme. So if I'm good at speaking or I love to read or words are important to me, all of those things, all of those talents might be clustered under this theme of communication. And there are 34 different themes and we all have them, but the assessment tells us, um, the Clifton Strengths Assessment, which has now been going for well over 30 years and has millions and millions of people um, who participated, it might even be closer to 50, has millions of people participating in it. Um, the assessment gives you a ranking from one to 34 of how they show up in your preferences, really. I tell people all the time, it is not a skills test. When you sit down and take the assessment, it's going to ask you, do you prefer this or do you prefer that? And it's going to say, pick one of these two that you care about. And it might be, you know, having a quiet day at home or going out with a group. It might be, um, you know, studying data or, you know, there's all these, there's hundreds, I think it's 274 questions or something and they're timed. So you do it quickly, but it's the whole purpose is to get to your instinctive reaction so that we can get an idea so that it you know, you can get an idea of what you prefer. It is not a skills test. We don't ask if you're good at communication. We really just ask uh, questions that go to a preference for words. And then as that comes up, communication may bubble up into your top. It's my number three. So that's another one. Um, There's some interesting ones like harmony, empathy, um, competition, and belief, strategic thinking themes like strategic and ideation and futuristic. There's some time bound themes around context. How much do we care about getting the context and the history of things versus adaptability, which is about being in the now and being flexible and going with the flow. Um, And then compared to futuristic, which is more of that emphasis for the future and the vision um, of the future. And so we all have them. We just don't all use them the same way. And we don't use them as, as, um, as often. So for one, discipline is my number 34 strength. So I lead with relationship building and I show up for people and, um, sorry, that was, and, 
Um, discipline, like showing up on a regimented way is like my least favorite thing in the world to do. I can do it if I have to, but it's not my favorite thing. I, I was just looking over at the uh, the bulletin board in my office because I've done StrengthsFinder a few times uh, mm -hmm. over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And they've mostly come out similar. It's been slightly different um, depending, uh, probably just depending on where my mindset was and the roles I had at the time. Um, and I used to have it on my bulletin board. I don't think it's there anymore. And I don't remember off the top of my head what my like top five were, um, but I do find it helpful. And it's funny, like I, I have had times before where I've had faculty or administrators who come into my office who have also done strengths finders and they see, you know, my five on there and they're like, oh, you're a whatever. And it, immediately it's a, it's an opportunity to connect and to relate and to see how, you know, we, you said you're primarily a, a relationship driven person. I don't think I'm not a relationship driven person, but that's not in my top five. And, uh, you know, something like discipline probably is, or if it's not, it's right towards the top. So, you know, that just means we, we interact with each other probably in slightly different ways, you know, than two relationship people would interact with each other. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, even if you had all executing themes, right? Um, achievers and discipline and deliberative, like planning out and executing on things and getting stuff done, um, you still would approach that differently than somebody else who may have a mixture of relationship mm. building and executing. And, and the truth is one of the principles that I talk about all the time is you can do anything with the strengths you have. So we don't use them to decide if you're good at your job. We use them to decide how you approach the tasks of your job. So if the three of us were all given the same assignment, we would each approach that assignment based on our strengths a little differently, right? I'm going to call three people to figure out, you know, um, and I, I talk about this all the time in the training. If we were, we were all assigned to go from California to Florida and we were given a budget and a car and a timeline right? <laughs> Somebody high in discipline and deliberative would want to map out their route and pick where they're going to stay and figure out how long it takes. Mm -hmm. And I'm my activator and we, I'm going to call three people and jump in the car and we're going to figure it out on the way. <laughs> and, you know, somebody else might be like, well, how much can we budget each day for food? And this is how many miles we have to go. And I'm like, let's see what we want to see on the way. Let's stop by and do these things. Right. And we're all going to end up at the same place. We're all going to be under budget on time because we're capable people, but we will have journeyed there differently. And so when we talk about leadership, especially with women, it's about leaving space for ourselves and other people to do the job the way that works best for them, right? To basically take the tasks and say, here's your outcomes and your out, you know, these are the constraints. You have a budget, you have a time limit, here's your constraints. But really, as long as this outcome, if as long as we end up there with those constraints in place, how you get there is less important. And you can do that in a way that fits your personality, your preferences, the way you like to process information. Um, and I've really gravitated to positions in my life that were people oriented, but they've been all over industries. I mean, I've never, I've actually never held a job for more than three years in the same role since I was 15. So I have progressed through multiple industries doing multiple things. And I tell people, I just really like to build cool things with cool people. And I don't care what industry that's in. I love teaching. I love technology. I love community. And as long as there's really cool people to hang out with, 
I'm happy to dig in and I've worked in oil and gas. I've worked in, I've worked in dentistry. Like I've worked in all kinds of industries. And so you can do anything with the themes you have, just knowing that you're going to approach it a little differently. So I love John that you were like, it's a beginning of a conversation, right? It's a connecting piece because we can't assume we know things just because we know that you have discipline and I have woo, right? They show up differently. Yeah, and it I shows up differently. And yeah. also like, I, I remember one time, it's not just with strengths finders. I've had this happen with Myers-Briggs, color code, like any, name any of the things. Um, some people have a tendency to get quite dogmatic around, you know, the results of those and the profiles for the individuals. And then it becomes very, very prescriptive. Uh, which is not the intention of these instruments at all. It's their self-reflective tools, you know, to 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 under better understand where we're at and how we relate to other people. Absolutely. And they're starting points, yeah. right? They're not um one of the things that I feel like people do wrong when they implement strengths is they kind of lose the principle of leaning into what you do well and letting others lean into what you do well, and they start labeling. Yeah. people based on their strengths, which is never the intention. They are not labels. I have a little sign that says labels are for jars, not for people, right? Like <laughs> this is, um, it's not intended. I don't label myself because I use my top 15 strengths. Like when I look at them, the ones I use every day that influence how I make decisions and how I process information, it's like my top 15. I'm not going to sit down and have a conversation and I'm not going to put 15 labels on my door because people are complicated, <laughs> right? <laughs> And there may be some that we understand better um, at times than others or things that show up differently than others. And I love when somebody comes to me and says, well, I'm not this, I'm not positive. Positivity shouldn't be my top five. And I'm <laughs> like, well, let's talk about that. And as we dig into it, people inevitably, they start to go, oh, well, I do see relationships that way, but mostly in my personal life. And I'm like, we didn't ask whether it was personal or professional, right. <laughs> just asked what you like, you know, and that's the, um, I say we, but the test was, you know, way preceded my, my last five years in coaching. I just, I love when people start to see that, um, they really are better at knowing themselves than they thought. And, um, there's a lot to uncover and unpack and, if you slap a label on it and call it something, you're going to be wrong. It's like when people ask me what their strengths are and I'm like, I don't have a crystal ball. Even if I knew what your top five <laughs> were, I still wouldn't know how they show up for you. Like, how do they yeah. work for you and how do you use them? So. And, you know, as you're talking about this, I, you know, my first thought is, okay, now what do you do with this? And as I listened to you talk a little more, I thought, okay, these, you know, I've done some of these tests as well, these three sixties. And I think part of it listening to you is understanding who you are and realizing that you do know yourself well and to embrace those strengths and be maybe more mindful of the way you operate, but also giving you permission because you, you know, talking about you love to build cool things with cool people and that you've shifted and adjusted um, in different arenas and been, you've been able to adapt to so many different types of roles and that's part of, those are your strengths. And to recognize that and to embrace it, I think that's one of the powers that I am noticing as I'm listening to you talk about this. And I'm wondering when you're coaching people, what do you do at that point when they find their strengths and they're becoming mindful and you're telling them not to label themselves or others, how do they better implement what they now know? And where does that take them? Yeah, it's, 
It's really different um, for different people. I've like coached other coaches and I've coached people who've never seen this before and are just experiencing it for the first time. And, mm-hmm. um, but really the, I think the, the common thread, no matter who, whether we're teaching a class, um, working with an industry, I've done implementations where whole organizations have said, we want this on our whole strategic plan. So we're going to, everybody's going to be on board and everybody's never on board all the way. But, um, as we create strength advocates and start using it as a culture and a vocabulary. So the whole gambit of, I just found out about this today and I've done really, really well with this. And the common thread is really about articulating the things that you're good at and being aware of the blind spots. We call them balconies and basements. So, um, just understanding that those things that you do very, very well are also things that you trip over sometimes because you assume other people do them well too, or you assume Mm -hmm. other people should do them well too. So the common thread is really looking at what are my strengths? How are they helping me? How are they hindering me? And how are they blinding me to other people's abilities? Um, And then really looking at how do I articulate them? Because I'm not necessarily, I just um, coached somebody recently who was like, I'm thinking I may need to apply for more jobs. How do I put this on a resume? How do I put my strengths out there and, um, and understanding them? And I think as we embrace them, we can one, use them intentionally. We can articulate them to other people and then we can ask the right questions. So we understand other people's perspectives um, and we can watch out for the blind spots would be number four, right? Um, I'll give you an example of a blind spot. So I'm really, really good at connecting. I love having social variety. I love um, being very kind of, I go into a group full of people just excited to meet a bunch of new friends. Like I don't really have the social barrier of this is awkward with most social communication. So I just come in and I am happy to meet everybody. Um, The difficulty is when somebody is talking to me, I can't just and walk away. Like, because I am a woo, I have to show up for you whether I want to or not. And sometimes to my detriment, right? I've been teaching all day and we're walking out of the building and I am looking for five minutes of quiet time before the next event. And if you're standing there talking to me, I'm going to show up for you because that's what my woo does. I can't really rein it back in and say, you know, and I do have to find those boundaries, but I will, I will be with the crowd until the last minute. And sometimes it's exhausting personally. (laughs) So that's something that woo runs into. The other thing is that people sometimes feel like because I know or maintain somewhere between 1500 relationships at a time that they don't, um, that maybe I'm not as deeply connected. Right. So, um, people can feel like, um, they aren't as important to me as they should be. Um, because I, it's that social butterfly. When people label you a social butterfly, they do that because they want to, they want you to stop flitting around (laughs) and stay still. And so there are barriers to the things that we love. Um, positivity even has a downside because when it takes a while, but when someone, when a relationship, when the trust is really broken in a relationship and that second chance isn't working and I don't see a silver lining, it actually emotionally feels much harder for me because when I lose the silver lining, my positivity is really offended and it really feels a lot bleaker than it probably is. And it takes me longer to kind of come back and figure it out. 
Um, the fact that I can see the silver lining in most things is a great strength. And when it doesn't work, it's a really hard basement to fall into because you have to climb back out of it and it can be really hard. And do you address that in your coaching when it's oh, yeah. in those blind spots, like what to do when you get into those deep basements? Absolutely. So developers, people high in developer love to invest in other people and help human potential grow. Right. And it is a fantastic, fantastic theme. It's a great leadership theme. Um, and I almost always talk to people high in developer about setting boundaries because the basement of that is that a lot of times they care about people longer than people care about themselves or more fervently. So they will stay investing in someone as an employee, as a relationship in all parts of the, they may stay investing in someone long before that person, long after that person stops investing in themselves or gives up or right. And so an employee isn't performing, but a developer just sees that potential and they give a little bit and the developer's like, yes, you're, you're making it, you're progressing. But if you don't really set milestones and boundaries, you get taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And that optimism and that need to really invest in people is exhausting. It keeps people in relationships longer than they should be. It keeps people in, in, you know, working with employees longer than they should be. And it's not always a healthy balance. And so we do definitely talk about here are the great things about your strength. Here are the power of it. And here are some things to watch out for. Set some boundaries um, and do those things. The other one is achiever. Achievers are highly productive people. They really want to get things off their list. Check, check, check. They're very much an executing theme. Um, and I often remind leaders who are achievers because they're great at um, contributing. They're great at being single contributors. But when they get to a leadership role, they expect everybody to be as productive as they are and to care as much about getting things off the list. And often I remind them to put people on their list of things to do. Wow. So spending time with your loved ones, sitting down on the couch, um, spending time one-on-one -on -one with your team, really delegating. Those delegation and spending time with your team can be on your list of things to do in the day. Because when you go from do, do, do to manage, 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 it can be a really big transition for people high in achiever. Donna, this has just been a great conversation. We could go on and on. I know the time and we probably do need to let you go and get on with your busy day. Um, yeah. Before we wrap things up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you further, find out more about your current work, and then give us the final word, wrap this present up with a bow for us as we uh, close things out today. It's such a pleasure. I love talking about strengths-based leadership. It's so fun. And it's been great to talk to both of you. We, um, I am working with executive ed at U Utah Valley University. So through the executive ed program, I'm teaching um, in our uh, women's leadership program, but also we just launched a strive program and a drive program. And so I teach leadership in those areas as well. I can also, um, they have my contact information. I can be reached um, through there and at my personal email, um, which is just dmalakovic at gmail.com. And then, um, yeah, I, I love to do contracts and to coach and to meet with people. But really my leadership work at UVU has been um, probably the easiest way to reach me. And then as we think about this, like as you think about, how much implementation can I do of strengths without taking the assessment? You can take the assessment at Gallup. 
and um, it's available there. There's a lot of options in the store for different ways to take it. Uh, and it takes about 40 minutes. So it's not, it's not a heavy lift. And then really thinking about what you do well. And, um, you know, Don Clifton says, you know, what would happen if we really concentrate on what is right with people rather than fixating on what is wrong with them? And that is a principle we teach over and over again as we talk about strength-based leadership. As a leader, what happens when you believe and you focus on what's right with people rather than fixating on what's wrong? We manage weakness, we don't fixate on weakness. And that has been a great, great philosophy for me to live by as a leader, um, as a parent, as a, as a friend. Like um, it just really helps uh, to kind of implement that philosophy. If you do nothing else, which nothing else with strengths, that's the one principle I like people to remember, focus on what's right with people. Yeah. Love it. Donna, thank you so much. It's just been a pleasure. Angela, thank you. As always, we hope everyone will um, just reach out to Donna, uh, find out more about what she can do for you. Check out uh, the many cool things that she's involved with. We hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And we hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe and please join us again soon.